are entering the Freedom Hut. A victory for Trump on trade. Oh my, that didn't take too long, did it? Looks like the EU wants to negotiate, and there could in fact be a better deal ahead for the American people. Plus, Pompeo lays the smackdown on all those Russia collusion delusion maniacs by establishing a clear line on U.S. policy with regard to Russia and Crimea. Plus, we'll talk about the latest on the uh, Pfizer report. Devin Nunes weighs in. we got so much more. Stay with me. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One make, make no mistake. America. Ready. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. We're now in the midst of a great economic revival. And it's for that reason that I chose this is the time. This country is doing better than it's ever done before economically. This is the time to take off the ripoff of tariff. We have to do it. We agreed today, first of all, to work together towards zero tariffs, zero non-tariff barriers, and zero subsidies on non-auto industrial goods. Thank you. Thank you. We will also work to reduce barriers and increase trade in services, chemicals, pharmaceuticals, medical products, as well as soybeans. Soybeans is a big deal. And the European Union is going to start almost immediately to buy a lot of soybeans. They're a tremendous market. Buy a lot of soybeans from our farmers in the Midwest, primarily. So I thank you for that, John Claude. I just want to conclude by saying this was a very big day for free and fair trade. Very big day indeed. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And a big day for the Trump administration. Welcome to the Buck Saxon Show, everybody. Honor and a privilege to have you here with me. Uh, you heard it there from the president himself. We've been told, oh my gosh, the trade war is coming. It's going to be so terrible. It's going to be dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It's going to result in massive economic losses. People are going to say, oh my gosh, I hearken back to the days of yore when Obama was the president and the economy was just limping along, but at least we didn't have trade wars. Nope. That's not the way this is going to go. We already have our first major signal that Trump is on to something here, folks. That was from the, uh, that, that, uh, those words you heard from the president just a few moments ago was in the Rose Garden earlier today where Trump was meeting with European Commission President Jean-Claude Juncker, not to be confused with Jean-Claude Van Damme, our favorite Jean-Claude, although I'm sure Juncker can also throw a mean spinning roundhouse kick. I will tell you, the Van Damme fight scenes don't really hold up this many years later, that, but that's a conversation for another time. So uh, Jean-Claude Juncker and Trump are going to talk about working toward a zero tariff barrier, zero subsidy situation uh, with, e- with the EU on auto industri- non-auto industrial goods, okay? Uh, they're going to move toward getting more U.S. soybeans bought. The European uh, bloc is also going to be buying more LNG, liquefied natural gas exports from the U.S. We've become an LNG superpower, folks. We are a 
a hydrocarbon superpower. We, we are a fossil fuel behemoth once again in this country, thanks to uh, capitalism, enterprise, and Republicans who were willing to try and do what they could to stop the crazy left Democrats from shutting down energy exploration and fracking and the scare tactics over fracking. Oh, it's going to poison the water. No, it's not. Um, all that, though, uh, all that dis- discussed today just goes to show you that when you have a president who is willing to do what he thinks is right for the country and not what is the consensus and has been the consensus for decades, you've all heard this, right? I just believe in free trade. I just want free trade. Okay, that's great. It's like I said, it's like saying, I just want a free market. Okay, great. What does that mean? We do not have entirely free trade with the EU. We do not have free trade with China. So how do we get there? Or how do we get closer to it, at least? Closer than we are. Which is another way of saying, how do we get a better deal? You're going to have to negotiate. And you're going to have to use leverage in that negotiation. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy, I know. And to do that, you have to be willing to disrupt the status quo. You have to be willing to jostle people around a little bit. You have to be willing to say, hey, you're doing this, guys. You got to stop, all right? If you don't stop, we're going to do something you don't like. You know this from your own life. If someone's doing something that you need them to stop doing, if somebody's doing something that bothers you, um, what then is your recourse if you just keep asking, please don't do that? No, no, you have to you have to say there's going to be consequences if you keep doing that. And then maybe you'll get a cessation in that behavior. And we are on a path to getting that now with Trump. And this is you're not going to hear much of a focus on this. You're not going to see the media getting all crazy about this because their worst nightmare is coming true, which is that the Trump administration will be able to beat back the criticisms of the deranged mainstream media based on the results That's right, based on what Trump does for us, does for America. And we're going to have all these people, well, what about Stormy Daniels? You know what? Economy's the best it's been in like 50 years. Thanks. You can sit back. Sit this one out, Obama acolytes. Don't really need to hear about how to not run the economy well for the American people. Thank you. Don't really need to hear about how to do nothing of any worth on foreign policy. Thank you, Obama squad. We got this. But, but Obama sounded so presidential. Yeah, I know. I know. It was so amazing to have somebody who could give a good speech. I can get an actor to give a good speech. It takes a leader to make decisions like Trump has on trade that go against the grain. This goes against what people were saying you should do. And I'm not saying we're out of the woods. I'm not saying it has worked, but it's showing signs of working. Just like on North Korea, it's showing signs of working. And you are going to see this. They won't be able to hide it. The liberal media is going to be enraged by the success of the Trump administration and the victories that it brings the American people. Dare I say, the mainstream media is going to be enraged by us winning and winning and winning. That is a a possible reality. We are not there yet, but that is a very possible reality. And... Uh, I think that you're seeing people come around to this one. By the way, you know, Kudlow, you know, the first year of the Trump administration, there's all this talk about, oh, this person had to leave, that person had to leave. You've got some pretty inspired choices now in very senior roles. Uh, you've got Kudlow as, as the uh, chief economic advisor. You've got Pompeo, as secretary of state. Mattis is still a steady hand over defense, universally respected by anybody who knows anything. 
You've got very strong players in these in these key roles. And, and speaking of Kudlow, here's what he had to say just about the situation with, with trade and what Trump's trying to accomplish. Play 10. Don't blame President Trump. The world trading system is broken. The WTO is broken. There's no reciprocity left. China is the worst offender, but not the only one around the world. Ms. Trump's trying to fix trading malpractice that goes back several decades. He's the first president to really stay with this, okay? Tariffs have gone up. Non-tariff barriers have gone up. Subsidies have gone up. All I'm saying is, this is not of Mr. Trump's own making. This is something that Mr. Trump inherited. Very unfair trading practices. Unfair trade practices. Why should we suffer in silence? Why shouldn't the most powerful economy in the world say, you know what, we're going to try to do something better here? You know, this this notion that the only way to approach any trade dispute is to have some massive bureaucracy like the WTO and all this multilateralism and all this internationalist claptrap. That only gets you so far and it actually takes you, I think, in some in some directions that are negative for the American people. Trump has been this is the area also where he's been consistent when somebody has been so fervent on this issue for as long as Trump has. They've thought about it a lot. He's been on this one for decades, saying that the trade issue with this country is really bad. And, you know, now we're seeing some some things start to break in his favor. And I'm just telling you, you're going to see the media totally uh, freak out about this. By the way, Charles Payne, actually, I like some of his comments. He's over on Fox. Uh, He's on when we're on air here, so I don't get a chance to do his show. But here's what he has to say about trade. Play nine. The fastest growing economies in this world have tariffs either two or exponentially more times ours. So I get that tariffs don't work, but why do they seem to be working for China? You, you make a- we are fighting a fight right now. We are following the Queensberry rules. We're wearing gloves and we're not hitting behind the head. Our allies are bare knuckle and our foes are wearing brass knuckles. Okay, so the bottom line is Mm. if tariffs are so awful, why do these other nations we trade with have them against our products? Because it has resulted in us losing industry. And again, it gets back to tariffs being taxed on imported goods. We wouldn't have to import those goods if we didn't lose 7 million manufacturing jobs. Who does Charles Payne sound like there, folks, with this whole, well, if it's so bad, why are other countries doing it? If it's so bad, why is China getting so rich so quickly? Oh, trade, trade, any tariffs leads to war. People who say that stuff, do they even know that the United States funded the government solely through tariffs at the beginning of its existence? That was the only way we even had a government. That was, yeah, that's right, before there was no income tax. Oh, my God, people, what, fuck, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, I know. Producer Mike, wouldn't that be amazing? No income tax. I don't even care what the tariffs are. I don't care what industries it destroys. I'd go back to that. No income tax. I, I just try that for a while. I just I'd swim around in a world of no income tax, and and figure out what the what the tariff situation would have to be to make that float. But obviously the government would collapse in like a day. Wouldn't have the revenue, aka the seized assets from you and your family through taxation that it currently uh, is on. So there you have it. Um, I, I I just I, I like to celebrate the progress that that you see with this administration because you're not going to hear it other, you're not going to hear it elsewhere. I mean, you could turn on CNN right now, it's a joke. It's just going to be one big, you know, oh my gosh, look what's going on with this Cohen tape and I'll talk to you about the Cohen tapes later on in the show. They're just not that interesting and they're not that important. It's not that worthwhile. I mean, yeah, Cohen is sleazy, fine. There are all kinds of sleazy people, you know. It was pointed out to me the other day that while we sit here and we're told, "Oh, well, why does 
why does uh, Manafort was so close to Trump and Cohen and these other people? They're all so sketchy. Obama launched his political career in the living room of, of a domestic terrorist and went to a church that had a guy yelling really terrible stuff about America and about all kinds of people for 20 years and didn't seem to bother him at all. So this whole thing, oh, Obama, there was no, you know, no drama, Obama, and there were no scandals, and everybody around him was just great. Mm-mm. That's, complete, that's a complete rewriting of history. And once you start to, I mean, when people want to talk about sexual impropriety and financial corruption, <laughs> and they don't want to talk about the Clintons, I'm like, come on, come on, come on. You really want to go there, Democrats? You want to talk about sexual impropriety and, and financial corruption when the alternative to Trump was the Clinton dynasty? You really want to do that? You want, you want to, Oh, okay. We can play that game. Uh, I, I think that you, usually the, the winning formula for people on radio, and particularly on radio, is, is to just get really angry and yell about some things and talk about the bad guys. And look, I, I got to talk about problems, talk about the opposition. You know, it's it's all it's conflict and resolution. That is the basis of story, whether you're on radio or you're writing a screenplay or whatever. Right. Conflict and then resolution. But sometimes I like to start with the resolution and then we'll get into the conflict. And that's today where you have it's not yet resolved, but a victory for Trump. You know, you're not going to hear about it enough elsewhere. You're not going to see this getting touted. I mean, maybe you'll see it a bit on Fox News, but they're not going to talk about this elsewhere. And it's a shame. Because this is something that really matters to you. Right. Cohen being slimy does not matter to you. You don't care. I don't really care. It does not make a difference in your life. But bringing down substantially the uh, tariffs that are currently levied against the United States by the single biggest economy in the world, which is what the EU is, if you take it all together. That could matter to industry in your town. It could matter even to a business that you're involved in right now. It could matter to the economic health of the United States overall in such a way that, you know, you're you'll see it reflected in your 401k rising or you'll see it reflected in your home value rising. I mean, you know, this this is stuff that has an effect. And they just want to skip right past this and get back to either Mueller Russia collusion, Stormy Daniels or Avenatti Cohen, you know, the, the slimy lawyers that that's that's what it is for them. Those are the only stories they're going to tell you about this administration. It's pathetic. It's dishonest. It's wrong. But it's how they it's how they are. Eight four four nine hundred two eight two five eight four four nine hundred buck. It's a fantastic phone number for a fantastic show. Uh, we have much more coming. I, I spoke to uh, Devin Nunes today. By the way, I had to have a little tutorial. Some of you corrected me. Yes, it is not Nunez because there's no accent over the. But producer Mike, he has a, he has chosen. He told me because Devin and I are buds now to uh, Americanize it. So it's not. Nunez, it is now Nunes. Kind of like went from Notre Dame to Notre Dame. So uh, Devin Nunes told me some interesting things. We'll talk to you about that with regard to the Mueller probe and how it's all garbage and so much more. Stay with me. A man that I've gotten to know very well. He's a very smart man and a very tough man. And he represents his people well and the country as well. And we want to have a fair trade deal, and we're looking to have a fair trade deal, and hopefully we can work something out. Uh, over the years, the United States has been losing hundreds of billions of dollars with the European Union, and we just want it to be a level playing field for our farmers, for our manufacturers, for everybody. 
And we also want a big beneficiary, frankly, to be the European Union. So we think it can be good for everybody, and that's what we're here to discuss. If we could have no tariffs and no barriers and no subsidies, uh, the United States would be extremely pleased. We have many countries, we won't say uh, European Union, we have many countries where they have massive barriers and they have massive tariffs, and we have to follow. And you could call it retaliation, but I'd rather just say that we want reciprocal. So whether it's with European Union or others, it has to be reciprocal in nature at a minimum. That's all he's saying, folks. Reciprocal trade. Free trade and fair trade. How about that? Uh, and we'll see where this goes. But a very positive sign today. And I think, you know, it might even be look at look at how the markets react tomorrow. I think you might see things uh, not that I give market advice, but you might see things reflected in the in the broader economy more optimism uh so you know i've i've had faith i was skeptical at first and i did more reading i learned more i'm not a trade guy per se i'm not somebody that focuses a lot on international trade deals that's not really in the center of my wheelhouse and it just the more i learned about the more i was like i think trump's onto something here and now here we are people are saying wow he is onto something oh who knew totally random by the way the drudge report has been my my homepage on every computer I've owned, I think since I was maybe 18 years old. Okay. So that probably tells you a lot about me, but of all the, you know, the thing about drudge is sometimes you're looking for news. And I, I was looking for a story that I'd seen earlier today and I just happened to flash onto drudge. Uh, and, and producer Mike, did you see this police arrested a guy who was found in the women's bathroom of a McDonald's in Tennessee naked doing jumping jacks. <laughs> now, now, now he was arrested for indecency and intoxication. Now, I, I look, there's a lot here that's not, you know, there's a lot here that you think this guy's obviously having a, having a bad day. Um, just being naked and drunk in the women's bathroom, that's a bad call. Why the jumping jacks, though, Mike? Why the jumping jacks? That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Why that's did he not- just say he was a woman? Oh, I mean, but... But even, but no matter what, even no matter how he identifies, it, the point is that the, the part of this that really is is given is giving me questions here that befuddles me is that there are weirdos out there who are going to go naked in places and stuff. But he did jumping jacks. I just, I just don't get it. Thanks, Drudge, for that one. We got more. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. You know, team, I, I like to think that one of the reasons you listen to this show is because I uh, bring certain background experience to it. I, I know that some of you are like, who's this like young guy? Although I'm almost 40 now, so I'm getting up there. Or actually, Miss Molly loves to remind me. She loves to say, you know, well, you're almost 40. I'm like, honey, I'm not almost 40. I'm in a few years. I'll be 40. Uh, it's getting close. Birthday's in December, folks. Send your presents. Send the presents anytime you want. Uh, but I, I like to think one of the reasons you listen to this show is because you uh, appreciate that I bring a background to this, right? I'm not someone who's like, I just want to be the next Walter Cronkite, and then I went right off to journalism school. I'm like, no, I just want to be a journalist. No, no, no. I didn't want to. I, this just this just happened. I mean, I think this is. Dare I say it's not just my plan. It might be someone else's plan. Somebody uh, upstairs, if you know what I mean. And I. Uh, I, I found myself doing this. Actually, you know, last night when I did a Tucker show, which I'll talk to you more about later, I got an email from a veteran who 
uh, became a, a friend and confidant of mine when I was thinking about going to business school. And, you know, it's one of these things where this guy reached out. He just seen me on TV, and it was really nice because uh, I hadn't heard from him. We hadn't heard from him in years. I, hadn't, I guess eight or nine years now. And he, he just reached out to say, you know, I saw you on TV. You're doing great. I'm, you know, I'm so, uh, so happy everything's worked out. And this guy, man, when I was looking at business schools, and I found this with because there are veteran communities at a lot of the business schools, you know, the, the veterans all, there's kind of a veteran club, li- literally a, a club for veterans at these schools. And, and they'll, they stick together. And, and they really appreciated that. I was an agency guy who had been in Iraq and Afghanistan. We had some shared experiences. And these guys all went to bat for me. I mean, at, at, at Columbia university at, uh, there was a special forces guy who went, uh, went to the mountaintop and back to help me out at the Wharton school of business at university of Pennsylvania. And at, uh, NYU Stern in New York City. I mean, these guys really, really tried to help me out because, you know, they, they understood what it was like and they were trying to... Anyway, it was just nice to hear from this guy and it reminded me that, uh, you know, I've gotten some help from some vets along the way. Uh, I ended up not going to business school, obviously. That's why I'm doing a radio show here, but it was, it was good to hear from. But I bring some experience to this, uh, having, been in, having been in Iraq, having been in Afghanistan and, and working at the CIA and, and not to be... I'm always very, I try to be very clear about what, what role I played there as much as I can. You know, not a door kicker, but a really a, look, I was a thinker. Uh, that was my, my job, an analyst, right? I mean, everyone's doing thinking, but you know what I mean? I was a, a, a policy and targeting guy, not, um, not involved in, uh, I, w- I did get outside the wire in the red zones. I could tell you some stories about that uh, another time. But anyway. Uh, I try to be very honest about what I did and and the investigations I was involved in on the NYPD side as much as I can talk about them. And last night, I I just felt the need to tell you guys, you know, bringing that experience to bear, that it's just something wasn't right about the way the media was reporting on this Toronto shooting. You know, as somebody who had looked at a lot of cases, especially domestic cases in the Intel division at the NYPD, I'm just not, I wasn't buying it. I wasn't buying that this guy just happened to go crazy and just happened to take a gun and shoot a restaurant full of people in a crowded, well-known area of the city, uh, had no personal grudge against them, had no, just, just killing completely random individuals, and also came from the Muslim community of Canada, which has had its share, to say the least, of radicalization, um, and which is less than 3% of the country, or r- roughly 3% of the country. So 97% of Canadians are non-Muslim. 3% are. This guy, Faisal Hussein, happened to be from that 3%, and the initial reporting on this was, well, his family says he has mental illness, so that's what that was. That's, uh, that's all it was. And they moved on to it uh, very quickly. They, they moved on from it, I mean, very quickly. They, they didn't want to talk about this anymore. And I, last night, was with you, those of you who listen to the show, and I was saying, I, I, think this is a, I think this is an excuse, folks. I think that this is now what you hear. Oh, it was mental illness. Let's talk about gun control now. No, no, no. This, this person had a history of, and, and I, I know something about this, too. With, with, when you're talking about mental health, what, if he, if he was a drug abuser for a little while, or if he had drank a little too much, or you know, had had some kind of anger management problems. We're to believe that's the only reason this guy became a terrorist. A lot of I mean, millions and millions of people have those problems and, and don't become terrorists. Don't go around murdering people. Right? This, this is 
this I, I keep saying this, and I get in so much trouble with the left for it, and I don't care because I know more about it than they do. Because I've actually done this work. Um, the the pre the, the the precondition, the precursor for many of these kinds of attacks is not somebody who is disaffected, who's a loner, who has some mental instability. It is a belief in radical Islam. That's not the only belief system that could bring you to kill random people. But there are only a few of them, and by far the most commonplace in the West that we come across is radical Islam. And I just wasn't buying it, folks. I wasn't buying it. This shooting in Toronto, two killed, uh, over a dozen wounded. Uh, that, that this had nothing, and, and sure enough, remember that was last night, sure enough today, I don't know how many of you saw this, but the story broke that Amak, which is the propaganda arm of the Islamic State, has claimed this guy as a Mujahideen. I'm, in fact, I believe I even used the word Mujahideen on radio last night. And the, the, what's one thing about this show is that it's all archived. You remember, remember last night, Mike, when I was talking about this stuff in hour three? Was, was, was the buck correct or not, my friend? I mean, I see this stuff. Uh, Mike is like, I know, stop. Stop thinking you're so great. But I'm just saying, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at this terrorism analysis stuff. It's one of, you could say, the center of my wheelhouse. Trade is something where I'm a student like you. I'm learning about it as much as I can and reading as much as I can. Terrorism, I'm, I'm actually an expert on. And, you know, this, this just what, and remember, I don't have access anymore. Obviously, I don't have classified because I'm not Brennan. Ho! Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. But I can just tell from the story that there was something missing here. And today, the propaganda arm of the Islamic State, Amak, said that this guy was, in fact, one of theirs. That he did this for the Islamic State. And Amak tends not, tends not to claim attacks that are, that are uh, not directed. I'm not saying it never happens, but they, they tend to be accurate with their claims because they want them to have real impact. And then people were, initially were saying, uh, people initially were saying, oh, but, you know, well, maybe they just made the claim as nothing. Okay, so maybe the Islamic State just, let's just walk through that one too because they were, oh, they're pushing, if this guy's name was... If this guy's name was uh, was Bob Smith, and he was a, a a Canadian evangelical, or a Canadian Protestant, or whatever, uh, and he had shot up all these people because he was angry about you know the liberal government of Trudeau, do you think you would have heard more in the last twenty four hours about this shooting? I mean, you don't need to answer that, right? But we all we need to remind ourselves of this because we are operating in a world with a tremendous amount of media dishonesty and bias. And you can't just accept it because then your sense of what is normal changes along with that. You're like, well, I guess that I guess the bias, maybe it isn't even bias. Maybe that's just the way it is. That's what they want. They want you to let your guard down and accept their version of the narrative. We won't do that. They moved on past the story really quickly. Last night I was saying, guys, this mental health thing, I think this is, you know, first of all, you start adding these things up. Only 3% of Canada's Muslim. This guy's a Muslim. Now I know that only a very small percentage of Muslims radicalize and become terrorists. I understand that too, but you know, you're already whittling down the ideological reasons that somebody would kill a whole bunch of strangers with a with a handgun in a city that also makes it essentially impossible to get handguns. Uh, and there was that that reactionary knee jerk. Oh, we got to ban guns. God, they killed a. They got a photo up here on fire. I mean, he killed a ten year old girl. I mean, it's just what a what a what a complete disgrace to humanity this guy was uh anyway so, so he 
Oh, oh, and this is good. Now you've got you got people, you got people standing up at the shoot. I see this as well. Love for all, hatred for none. No, I disagree. Actually, I think that hating jihadism and hating jihadists is a is a healthy exercise. Um, I do not, I do not believe that love. I know people say, "Oh, Buck, that's not Christian." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, we 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 love all people as much as we can. But I will not love people that are trying to destroy humanity. So, sorry, I, I do draw lines. Uh, and, and this hatred for none thing, look, look at this. That's, that's great to see, folks. We really need reminders not to be hateful after people are being shot while they're trying to have a meal, uh, being shot by some maniac. Anyway, so they were, they were saying, though, what I was telling you last night about my spidey sense on this one has obviously been, is obviously correct. So I think I don't know who else talked about this last night. I'm guessing very few people, but I was... You know, like I said, I have expertise. I know more about this than other folks do who think that they should be talking about it in the media. And uh, they were initially saying, oh, well, but maybe Amok just claimed this. Maybe it wasn't a, uh, an actual terrorist. You know, maybe they just said it. Which, as I've noted to you, is, is unusual for them, but it's possible. Well, then they got another problem here. This is courtesy of Fox News. Quote, Hussein had visited ISIS websites and may have expressed support for the terrorist group according to law enforcement sources. They also told the Toronto Sun that 29-year-old expressed support for a website that was pro-ISIS. Hmm. So what do we think is more likely, folks? This guy self-radicalized, as we've seen so many others do, or he just happened to be a completely crazy person that was doing a research project on ISIS for school and was going to these websites. I think we all know the answer to that. And I think that there's... uh, I think that there's plenty. We'll find out more, I would note, about him. Uh, we'll find out more. Uh, he was well-known to Toronto police, they say, for investigations into past crimes involving weapons and violence. So, look, he's a bad guy. I'm not saying he doesn't have mental health issues. I'm just saying let's not skip past the fact that he self-radicalized and that there was a very clear, very intentional decision made by the media to skip right past that one. Oh, no, no, I don't want to get into that. And, and all they really have to do, they know this. All they really have to do is hold back on the motive for 24 to 48 hours. And then they think that they've done some public service for, you know, combating Islamophobia. Because by the time people figure out that it was another jihadist terrorist and that this did come from the, quote, religion of peace, um, we'll have moved on to something else and it won't really matter. In our public consciousness, it won't really have an effect. This is what they're doing. This is why they are. This is why the media is dishonest, and you can't trust them. Well, it's one of many reasons why. Um, and it's why I like to tell you about things that they won't, and get ahead of where they are, because we know stuff here in the Freedom Hut, and we read books and do research and care about things, we care about knowing things. We have an a, a, an intellectual curiosity that binds together the people that listen to this show, which is the reason you come to this show. You want blather and stupidity and talking points there's so many other places you could go you're here for a reason and one of those reasons is that we get ahead of where things are um we get ahead of it with analysis and we tend to be right 844-900-2825-844-900 buck uh we will discuss a bit you know i don't want to waste too much time on the FISA stuff but i talked to, to newness I'll, I'll give you a little bit of update on that he'll we'll have a big interview with him tomorrow morning on hill.tv slash risings. You can check that out. And by the way, those of you who may be new to the show who are on Twitter, you should follow me on Twitter. I never give Twitter handle call-outs anymore just because I feel like nobody listening to shows on Twitter these days. At Buck Sexton. 
you want to talk to me. I check that thing all the time, man. We can go back and forth. I can give you book recommendations. We can, you know, all that, all that good stuff. We'll be right back. Lines are lit here in the hut. Let's talk to Wayne down in Mississippi. Hello, Wayne. Hey, bud. Good to talk to you. See, what I wanted to tell you all about was about the year 2000, Donald Trump did an interview with Barbara Walters, and I wish people would go back and check that out. She asked him why he doesn't run for being a New York governor, and then she asked him why he doesn't run to be the U.S. president, and he, he said his ideas were too radical. But the other thing uh, he said in that same interview was he was talking about the U.S. national debt and how everybody thinks it cannot be repaid. And today Trump is dealing with the EU as far as trade and that kind of thing. And the point he brought up in that interview was after World War II, the U.S. rebuilt Europe with U.S. funds. And those countries took out loans to make it happen, and they never paid it back. And he said if those countries were to be uh, charged the debt plus the interest, he says, our national debt would disappear overnight. So I think maybe if he had a little private time with the man from the EU today, he might have brought up how much the European countries owe the U.S. with interest and everything. And I think that would go a long ways to cause them to uh, <clears throat> drop their, their tariffs. And if uh, Trump doesn't pursue the um, that they owe the U.S. from World War II. <clears throat> All right. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for that, sir. Good to talk to you. All right, our buddy Kenny up in Boston. What's up, Kenny in Boston? Hello, Buck. How you doing? Um, listen, I've been going over this whole thing with Putin meeting with Trump in my head, and you know how like, I really rationalize the motivations of things. Why would, if they were colluding together or plotting or whatever, why would they, in this day and age of technology, why do they actually have to meet in person? In fact, wouldn't that look bad if they met in person? And, you know, what, what, uh, and they're never alone either. They, they used to say, oh, they're going to be meeting alone. And we want to, they're not alone. They have translators and there's, there's got to be uh, security, right? Secret service and stuff. Oh, yeah, Kenny. I, I mean, Kenny, alone. I think the whole thing, the whole thing is totally overblown. First of all, the president can't implement some, policy without other people so so in that regard like what if he like gave away crimea which we we're going to talk about that in a few moments he did the opposite of that but you know what if you gave away crimea in that meeting it's like well people would know about that so there's you know the things that the president can't uh, harness u.s national level policy and global policies or the things that affect the you know, global uh, geopolitics without people figuring out what's happening uh so then the other thing is well maybe it's about the collusion or something i'm like guys He's really going to have that discussion there with the Russians. Have a trend. First of all, I'm sure the Russians recorded it. So what's what, you know? I mean, we, Trump's not a moron. The Russians are probably recording it. So what's he going to say in the meeting? He's going to talk to Putin about what he wants to talk to him about without all the glare of the cameras in his face. But Kenny, they're they're conspiracy nuts, my friend. That's 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 the problem. And I mean the mainstream media. They've lost it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I don't care. Okay. I'm as sad they're, they're as you like are. Salesman. You know, like when you sell a product, right? You know, they tell you you have to believe in what you sell. You have to believe in what you sell. Yeah, no, I agree, man. Thank it, you for it, calling in, Kenny from up in Boston. We got to roll and do uh, another stuff coming up here. By the way, does the left have a sense of humor? The answer is, of course, no. 
we will get into the latest on this one because, oh, wow. Um, a little story we mentioned yesterday has gotten a lot more attention. A, a parody video of Ocasio-Cortez that has led to oh so much of the left showing us that they are snowflakes. I know you want to be at your best. I feel the same way. And you need focus and you need energy to accomplish your goals day in and day out, right? We are all in the fight in our own way, and we all want to feel that fight. That's why you need Strike Force Energy. Strike Force is a veteran-owned and American-made product of energy drinks that you need to see for yourself. You need to try for yourself. They are delicious. I've got Strike Force set up here in our bullpen at thehill.com. And I, not just the interns, because they're walking around knowing Strike Force all the time, but also all my fellow journalists know that they can go and get some Strike Force to get a little pick me up. It keeps them focused, it keeps them active. And by the way, if you're going to go to the gym, it's great. Give you a little extra edge, get through a few more sets. And every packet you buy now, if you go to StrikeForceEnergy.com and enter discount code BUCK, every packet you buy, there'll be a donation to military members around the globe. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Enter discount code BUCK, and for everything you buy, there'll be a match sent to our service members around the globe. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. The left does not have a sense of humor, my friends. We know that. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. But we, we, we know this, right? They, they don't laugh at jokes unless they're at the opposition. They, they can mock and ridicule anyone they want, but they have no sense of humor about themselves. We see this time and again. And, and the Ali Beth uh, Stuckey video. Mike, do we have some of it? Do we have some of the Ali Beth Stuckey video to play? Oh, we will in a moment. We will in a moment. Ali Beth Stuckey video that, that has now gotten millions of views. I used to work with Ali at the at the Blaze. Um, I actually never really worked with her. We were both Blaze employees at the same time, I think. I think we crossed over there. Oh, we do have it now. Well, I'll, I'll call for it in a second, but thank you, Producer Mike. Producer Mike is the is the MacGyver of audio sound bites. I'm like, can you get that thing from that guy that time he said the thing? And Mike's like, 45 seconds, clip 18, you got it. I'm like, thank you, Producer Mike. And then Brandon just is like the DJ or John, depending on the day, who spins that, that clip magic for us. Uh, but but he, here's what ended up happening. And I, and I know I talked to this a little yesterday, but so they, they had this, the Washington Post is writing this up, and I, I got to get into this. But So there's that interview with Ocasio-Cortez, and we realize, okay, she's not somebody who really knows very much, it seems. Or she's not a deeply knowledgeable person on policy. You know, I mean, she, I'm sure she's lovely to talk to and is maybe a great person, but we're talking about whether she should be a, a member of Congress. And, it's fair to discuss, is she ready for this job? I mean, is she somebody that's really up to the task of, of doing this? And sure enough, in that interview with Margaret Hoover, actually, over on Firing Line, which on PBS, which they resurrected. I, I did not even know that until I saw this interview. Uh, but, yeah, they, uh, they've resurrected that show. And she didn't do very well in the interview, meaning Ocasio-Cortez did not do very well in the interview. And, but Allie, to kind of, you know, poke a little fun, made this video where she inserted questions, and it's on Facebook. You can see it. It's gotten millions of views. She inserted questions and then cut it up so it looks like Ocasio-Cortez is answering, but you can tell that it's fake. I mean, no person would watch this 
and think that this is really the interview. Plus, the interview was a very famous interview from the recent news cycle. So this falls under satire or parody very clearly. But here, here's just a little a little excerpt from it, uh, courtesy of CRTV, or we're borrowing it from CRTV here. Go ahead. Put socialism into your own words. Unprecedented concentration of wealth at the very top, tippy top of the 1%. Wow, I'm I'm kind of surprised to hear you admit that. It it sounds like what's going on in socialist Venezuela. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what's going on in Venezuela? Just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And to me, it would just be completely unacceptable if that happened on our shores. Well, couldn't that happen here if if we adopted socialism? It's hard to say what direction that that takes. I am not the expert on geopolitics. Didn't you major? So you get the idea, right? So she's cutting in now in the audio. I want to be very clear. The audio maybe kind of sounds like it's a normal interview or, or at least you're not. But when you watch the video, it's clear as day. It, it has gotten almost almost uh, two million views, I think, is the last thing I saw here. After a fake interview of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went viral, its maker said it was satire. Now, that's just so unfair and they know it. It was obviously satire from the beginning. And the left is not so stupid here, right? This Washington Post uh, writer is not dumb, or at least I'm assuming so, but is playing dumb on this one because they're saying, well, she had to add a, uh, she added a reference to the original PBS show it came from and, and put a note that it was satire. But here's how the Washington Post writes on this. Quote, the fact the video traveled so widely and for some apparently believably has served as another example of how misleading information continues to thrive in the fast paced flow of information online, despite Facebook's promise to better weed it out. Misinformation is not completely outlawed, according to the company's community guidelines. And neither, of course, is satire. But the video appeared to fall in a confusing gap between the two before it was labeled. Can we understand that? So that's the end of the quote here. I mean, this is this is idiocy, folks. But let's be very clear about what the left is now saying based on the success of this video. And the, the real problem here, the real problem here is that they don't want anyone making jokes about Ocasio-Cortez because she's they're desperate for someone to rally around now. Uh, yeah, I mean, Bernie Sanders, as much as they can say, it, Bernie's getting up there, folks, OK, that Bernie can't really be. I'm not trying to be mean. I, I actually find Bernie in a weird way to be kind of charming. But he can't be the future of the party, really. Maybe for a little while, but not for the long term. Uh, so they're very sensitive over Ocasio-Cortez, who isn't even a, hasn't even won a race yet, but she will win. But she hasn't won it yet. They're very sensitive about it. But they're also now putting, in a, putting us in a position where we have to say, oh, do I need to write in parentheses under any tweet or any Facebook post where I'm clearly making a joke, this is a joke? I think the answer to this has to be now yes from the left's perspective. Otherwise, they'll, they'll call it fake news. Would they ever be willing to apply that to their own satire, though? Would they ever insist that the people that are posing as comedians who are really political commentators, right? Stephen Colbert is a political commentator. He's not a comedian. All right? John Stewart, when he was doing his thing, was not a comedian so much as a political commentator with jokes. They were informing people about the day-to-day news completely infused with leftist agitprop and doing it in a way that it was, oh, ha, 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 our side always wins. We're so great, and their side's a bunch of idiots. Ha, ha, ha. But that's all it was. 
That was the whole gag. Did they have to? And by the way, they very deceptively cut up interviews with people all the time on The Daily Show. And that was never considered an issue, right? That was always, oh, well, that, it's, just, it's just a comedy show, man. I've got puppets before I go on air. Total disgrace. I mean, you know, the, the, that whole line, and I'm thinking back to what's some of Stewart's more controversial appearances on other shows. Won't get into that right now. But the whole, oh, it's just a comedy show. We can't be held to any standards of journalism. Well, no, you're journalists who make jokes. That's different. Uh, and in this case, what we see is somebody who is a journalist who's making a joke, and they're saying that it has to be labeled as a joke, or else you can't know it's a joke. Pretty pathetic, really. Uh, Shane Goldmacher, or Goldmacher here. Uh, this faked interview has nearly one million views on Facebook. Interview didn't happen. Not labeled satire. Um you know, it's just, it's, it, this is preposterous. Anyway, congrats to Allie for, you know, she went viral. She's been uh, putting out videos for a while, and now she finally went viral with this one. But I just got to say, man, you know, the left, they, they, there are no, they don't have rules. They just have emotions and whatever is convenient in the moment. Uh, they don't really, they don't really believe in universally applicable laws or rules. It's always based on, whatever hierarchy they've created for the moment. And they get to determine what the hierarchy is. Uh, and, they've, and they've destroyed comedy. We can't make jokes. There's so many jokes that I would love to make on this show on a regular basis. People who hang out with me in day-to-day life are always like, wow, you're not to toot my own horn, but they're like, they're like you, you say a lot of funny things. And it's because I can say things that no one's going to think I'm a mean person or, or like deeply offensive, but I say things that I, I'm, I know that if I said it on radio, maybe it would get misconstrued or you know, maybe it would, you know, I was talking to a colleague about how the difference in media, how the difference in perception over the Stormy Daniels situation and the uh, McDougal situation. Uh, it, you know, we're just talking about, and there's some funny comments, but can't can't do that on radio because I might get I might get in trouble for I don't know sexism or something. I so I can't make those jokes, and it's just a shame. You know, it's a shame. If I were a, if I were a lefty, I would just sit around and just make jokes about you know racist Republicans, all that. It's the only joke they ever make: racist Republicans. <laughs> they're not clever, really. You know, that's the thing they've they've created this feedback loop of their comedy is really pathetic because comedy is supposed to be able to push boundaries and do things that's interesting. Instead, they think pushing boundaries is just being vile and hateful toward the GOP. Uh, one other thing I, w- I wanted to just I wanted to note here, and and it, it's a, a reminder of how they dominate the narrative and and i'll i might get into this more later on in the week because i've been seeing this too because you know facebook now, now what got me thinking about this is that they want to change the regulations on fa- or the regulations the uh terms of service or the rules or whatever they call it on facebook now so that they can adjust this and 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 what it really whenever they're talking about monitoring facebook already gets rid of you know illegal content or uh you know super violent content I and mean, stuff like that but now they want they want to start blurring that line between oh well what what's what's fake news and what's not or or how do we police fake news and that's just going to be used I've been saying this all along you know this it's going to be used against conservatives I have been pounding this drum for as long as I've been on, been doing this show that this is how they think they take back information dominance in the media space by controlling the major digital platforms this is how they think they can achieve what they had before the internet essentially control the internet and you'll deal with the fact that now the internet has taken away your control well courtesy of vice which is like a hipster news network here's the story 
Twitter is shadow banning prominent Republicans like RNC chair Ron McDaniel Trump and Trump Jr.'s spokesman. Several conservative Republican congressmen no longer appear in the auto-populated drop-down search box on Twitter. So this is how they do it. This is how, and this is according to Vice, which is a progressive left-wing network, but they're, they're just running with this story. Shadow banning is real. And, you know, folks, I can't help but think that, you know, you, you see how Facebook was such a, because it was really all about what people were sharing, conservatives were building huge followings on Facebook, and now they've said, oh, well, you got to mon- you know, we got to turn on monetization. They've changed the algorithms and stuff, but it's really slowed down. I mean, Facebook growth for conservatives has, has been gotten a lot harder. And you see all these people on Twitter that have much bigger Twitter followings than people that are more well-known on the right. And you think to yourself that are, you know, people that are on the left have these bigger followings. I'm telling you, they've got their thumb on the scale. And we, we hear, oh, yeah, the left is more on Twitter than the right. That's true. But, I mean, there are people on Twitter that are, that are you know, Democrats, that are progressives, that have like a half a million Twitter followers. I've never even heard of them before. I've never even seen them before, anywhere. And they're in the news space. And there are conservatives that are household names, and they've got like, you know, 50,000 Twitter followers. And you're like, what? How is that possible? Well, shadow banning might be one answer. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's the whole answer, but there's definitely something going on here, folks. There's definitely something at work and we gotta keep you gotta keep an eye on this. I don't know what the answer is though, because these are private companies. They wield so much power. I mean they wield the power of life and death over media organizations now. And you have no transparency. There's no what you're gonna write into the customer service at Twitter or Facebook? And why am I shadow banned? Good luck with that. Uh, you know, this this is really important. And, and I know for some of you, you're like, Buck, I don't really care about the social media that much. Social media, you know, I'm listening to you on radio. I don't... Yeah, but this is about the way they control the conversation for your kids and your kids' kids. This is how they get back to a place where even though the country totally disagrees with them, you know, even though 90% of the country doesn't buy into this climate change hysteria, for example, it'll be something that's out there. We're all being forced to talk about how is that? Oh, that's right. Because they dominate the mechanisms of distribution for news and for narrative, and they used to have that not just with the not just with the major newspapers, but certainly with the TV channels. The internet broke the stranglehold thanks to and talk radio. Thank you, Rush and company. Uh, but they want that back, and I'm telling you, they're getting it. They are in the process of getting that back by. By having progressive ideological dominance of Facebook, of Twitter, of these different platforms. And and these not only do they have the ability to change, you know, who's getting elevated, who's getting dropped down in search results, uh, results and all that. But also they're, they're massively powerful corporations with huge amounts of money at their disposal. Uh, so, you know, I, I worry much more about big social media than I do about big Wall Street these days. I'll be honest with you. Uh, so there you have it. Um we got, we got to talk about Pompeo's testimony before Congress today. He really had some great moments that I want to get into with you. And and there's a whole there there was a moment where he talked about Crimea, and the media's going to skip right past this because they're a bunch of clowns and liars. But I want to focus in on it for a few with you. Uh, so please do stick around for that, and and also uh, much more this hour. Stay right there. I don't know if you know this, but the FBI knows that home title theft is one of the fastest growing crimes out there. 
And if you've ever had your credit card stolen, it is nothing compared to the hellish experience you're in for once an identity thief decides they're taking control of your home's title. Folks, I have seen a, a version of how this is done. Home Title Lock walked me through it. They actually showed me my home's title and how it could be stolen. It is not hard to do at all. Think of like forging a check, basically, except instead of just a check, it is the deed to your home. It's way too easy. You want to be defended from this. Home Title Lock can do that. By the way, your insurance policy does nothing. You need Home Title Lock. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most viable asset, my family's home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. That's a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's, again, HomeTitleLock.com. You don't get leadership. You don't understand it like President Trump does. Well, why don't you throw him under the bus? They say he said all Mexicans are criminals. He never said it. Why don't you just go along with those lies too, Gates? Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. You look like a possum made a pile of crap. <laughs> Alex Jones, a little upset at, uh, at Matt Gates there. A little bit of backstory. That's in response to what my, my so my co-host on Rising, Crystal, asked Gates, who's a Republican congressman from Florida, if he would go on Alex Jones's show again. And he said, no, he would not. And Jones, who I've seen now is growing a beard. Maybe I should grow a beard. I've thought about it. Uh, but but Jones is growing a beard. He's very unhappy about that. At, at a, at a possum ate a pile of crap. That's... <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's just kind of fun to hear and say, I guess. Uh, but then again, you know, Jones has a bit of a, you know, the Illuminati and the Bilderbergs and the whole, whole thing. I mean, information warfare dominance. It's crazy. Google it. Uh, he, he he came after somebody else who also uh, got on the wrong side of some years ago. Here's a little throwback for you. Play it. This is from allaccess.com. Ten questions for Buck Sexton. I never even knew who this guy was when I saw him, but I said, that guy is a <laughs> it's government like five agent. Years ago. The secure look, the satisfied look. These are kind of coward-like guys that think because they're part of the system and information warfare, they're above the law. And I mean, just look <laughs> at that guy. I, love I mean, uh, that I've seen that look so many times growing up so on family satisfied. reunions of people that were CIA and stuff. I mean, Dallas is a CIA command base. That's the reason Big Glenn Beck moved to Dallas. How do I know all these people? Because I've grown up around this, folks. I've grown up around it. Oh, man. He's incredible. The people that try to play Alex Jones fail at capturing the full Alex Jones. You know, they, they never... He, he is an original, I will say that, uh, for all that stuff. But, I mean, yeah, Gates said he wouldn't go on a show and he got upset. But I, I think Jones is now, is he banned from Facebook? Or there, there's something's going on. Um, this, is what, this is what made me think about this. Before. Wow, Facebook stock plunged 24% today? Wow, I just saw that. Mike, did you see that? Uh-oh. Yeah, Mike, you got to be eating some ramen noodles for, for a few days now, you know? Papa Mike, no, not worried about the Facebook plot. Come on, dude. Oh yeah, you got out. Wait, what are you saying? I can't hear you. I'm Amazon, baby. I don't touch it. Touch Facebook. Oh, look at you. Amazon's crushing it, dude. Amazon's going to the moon. Um, all right. Well, where what, did we have? A, wasn't there something on Jones getting kicked off of Facebook? Or am I crazy? Yes, I'm sorry. It wasn't Facebook. YouTube. YouTube is removing. Alex Jones's videos 
uh, because of hate speech and child endangerment. Look, I, I got I, I got nothing. I'm, I'm not about to sit here and support anything that uh, anything Jones related. Clearly, he doesn't like me, which is fine. I wear that as a as a badge of honor. It's pretty funny. Said it once I had Bob's big boy hair. I'm like, that's so cold, dude. I mean, it's kind of funny, but so cold. Why has it got to be like that? Uh, uh, anyway, you know, look, you know, I'm not going to sit here and I, you know, I, I was about to go down that pathway. I started to say it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to take the high road here. I'm going to take the high road. Um, but you know, it, it's going to start with Alex Jones, folks. They're going to start pulling YouTube videos of Alex, and then all of a sudden it's going to be, other people. Then it's going to be the, you know, the so-called intellectual dark web. Then it'll be, you know, Rubin and Shapiro. And, you know, they, they're going to they're gonna be demonetizing and pulling videos. And you're going to see more and more of this. And I, I really, somebody tweeted at me this in the break. I think the only answer is you got to have a conservative. You guys are creating a conservative social media platform. Where, you know, half the country knows that at least they're not going to get their stuff banned. Um, we got to talk Pompeo. Uh, very interesting stuff he said in front of Congress there. That's coming up, so stay right there. For decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy it now and pay for it later, with interest. Despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high-interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash buck. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash buck. LendingClub.com slash buck. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Today, the Trump administration is releasing what we're calling the Crimea Declaration. I won't read the whole thing. I will submit it for the record. It's been publicly released as well. Um... But one part reads as follows, quote, the United States calls on Russia to respect the principles to which it has long claimed to adhere and to end its occupation of Crimea, end of quote. I want to assure this committee that the United States does not and will not recognize the Kremlin's purported annexation of Crimea. We stand together with allies, partners, and the international community in our commitment to Ukraine and its territorial integrity. There will be no relief of Crimea-related sanctions until Russia returns control of the Crimean Peninsula to Ukraine. This Crimea Declaration formalizes United States policy of non-recognition. Kind of a weird thing for our government to do if they, uh, if the White House is in the pocket of Putin, right? Kind of a strange approach. That's right, folks. You heard there the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who I think is among the strongest officials in the Trump administration in his role. I think he's doing a great job. I really do. Um, but he was up testifying on Capitol Hill today, and we got some uh, video of it and, and other stuff to show you tomorrow on Hill.TV, because uh, we had our folks up there. But he's testifying on Capitol Hill in, in front of these members of Congress, and we'll get into some of their you know, petty partisan squabbling nonsense soon. But he's up there, he's saying that on a key and a core issue of what, what the Russians want, what does the Kremlin really want? High up on that list, 
would be the U.S. recognition of the annexation of Crimea as legitimate. That would be very high on that list. And what I see, or what I, what I heard right there, and what I saw the other day is, we are in no uncertain terms telling the Russians, not going to happen. Not going to happen. You have to give Crimea back to Ukraine or else the sanctions stay. You know, you're going to suffer economic consequences until you give Ukraine back to, I'm just give you Crimea back to Ukraine. If Putin had something on Trump, folks, which is an, a moronic thing that you're hearing people on TV say, oh, it's like a Putin puppet. No, no please. I've played the audio for you. Like, well, I think it's possible that maybe they have something on the president of the United States. But if that were true, if that were the case, wouldn't this be one of the issues where you would see a major softening of U.S. foreign policy? Wouldn't the this wouldn't this be one of the places where you would expect Putin to exercise that leverage? If not here, where? Think about this one for a second, right? I mean, this is the the, the Russians have made a made a few very aggressive foreign policy moves under the Obama administration. By the way, uh, one of them was the insurgency in eastern Ukraine to essentially create breakaway provinces of Ukraine that are, you know, that want to unite with Russia. And then the Crimea annexation, which was through this referendum that, you know, we believe to be illegitimate for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, and and then there's some stuff that came along with that, too. The shooting down of that plane by with a Russian mis- missile, they killed that was a really catastrophic event, folks. Not only was there over 100 people killed, but they lost a, 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 a very sizable contingent of some of the top AIDS vaccine researchers in the world were shot down with that plane. So with that plane may have been the lives of MH17, if you remember. I, I remember that story very well. I was actually on the air on radio when it happened. Uh, but MH17 uh, had a large large contingent of, of AIDS researchers and uh, could mean that millions, millions of lives were very negatively affected, maybe lost over the long term because of that plane being shot down. But, you know, Pompeo is making the case, doing it very well. And I just want to note that there's so there's so much less focus on this policy initiative or this discussion today on Capitol Hill, where you know this is this is this is a line in the sand that I promise you. This administration is not going to move on. All right. Pompeo was not going to allow this to be a wishy-washy area. The sanctions stay. Our objection stays. Ukraine is an ally of the United States. Russia played them dirty and we're not okay with it. You know, when does the president get credit for this, folks? When do we get to hear, oh, you know, maybe actually he's not a Kremlin stooge and maybe he is a patriot and. Pompeo was just making the case also about how the stuff that Trump is doing is making us all safer. Play 24. The national security strategy uh, established protecting the American people, the homeland, and the American way of life as the pillars of our national security. On July 17th, President Trump stated his firm conviction that diplomacy and engagement are preferable to conflict and hostility. These principles have guided our actions on North Korea. President Trump's diplomacy de-escalated a situation in which the prospect for conflict was rising daily. Americans are safer because of his actions. 
That's right. Well, there's so much snickering going on from the so-called foreign policy smart set. Uh, You haven't had North Korea test a missile in months. It's now clear that there has been a at least a a temporary cessation of these very belligerent missile tests that North Korea was doing. And yesterday, North Korea began dismantling a rocket launch site facility which a lot of experts are pointing to and saying this, this is a big, big deal. Here's the USA Today. North Korea dismantling key facilities at an important ro- rocket launching site on the northwest coast of the country. Uh, the, the images from July 20th showed work at the Sohei Satellite Launching Station to dismantle a building used to assemble space launch vehicles and a nearby rocket engine test stand used to develop liquid fuel engines for ballistic missiles and space launch vehicles. All right. The images suggest that North Korean leader Kim Jong-un was complying with his pledge made to President Donald Trump during a historic summit in Singapore last month. You know, this is just like the phenomenon I tell you about on Twitter. They say the horrible thing about Trump that's not true. It gets 20,000 retweets. They then have to correct it because everyone realizes it's not true and it gets five retweets. No one cares. Media doesn't want to push that story. And then they want to lecture us all on the truth. And they want to tell us about what's really going on and what we really, you know, I, I saw this, you know, J- Jake Tapper had this thing on his show here. I, I got to I got to see if I can find this one. This one was just so, so classic. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see where it is, because, you know, they, they think that we don't remember. They think that we don't remember what. They were liked in the Obamas. Here it is. Quote, this is from Tapper's show on the lead. Oh, and I got more on Tapper in a second. If one subscribes to this brand new presidential ethos, you won't be talking about Trump. You won't pay attention to any of this or worry or fret. You'll just remember what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. For the rest of you who want to understand what you're seeing and reading and to understand this is actually all happening, thanks for watching. So he's just refuting the president. But he's not a partisan. Refutes and undermines the president. But he's not a partisan, everybody. He's also a nasty guy, which came out today. Mediaite, this is great. Mediaite story saying that uh, the headline is CNN's Jake Tapper went ballistic at staff over botched clips. They don't have the actual clip, but they have the lead up to the clip where he's clearly getting upset. And then a source described the outburst by Tapper as, quote, unhinged and bananas, replete with lots of shouting about the staff's incompetence. CNN declined to comment. This guy's a jerk. He's a jerk. He launders liberalism, folks. That's what he does. Puts on a fancy suit and makes people think that whatever their preconceived political notions are, that's just reality. He's just the newsman, just giving you the facts. He's a snide jerk. Won't come out and debate. I, I ask if, if him or Shudo or any of these other guys at CNN, they ever actually want to do They never debate anybody except on their own show where they get to determine when the clips come on, when they get to determine when you go into a break, when they get to set the questions, they get to set the tone. Hacks. It's Hack Central over there, the Hack News Network. But I digress. Uh, back to Pompeo. Back to Pompeo and what's going on in North Korea. They, they weren't really talking about the North Korean rocket dismantling, were they? They, they don't want to give him credit for this. They don't want to talk about how this is a positive. You know, they, they'll, they'll do all these dances about how Trump has failed in North Korea. And then you get Menendez, who, by just the most legalistic nonsense managed to escape real criminal charges uh, or I'm sorry, real criminal. Um, he, he was prosecuted, but he was you know, found 
not guilty. Uh, real incarceration would be what I'm looking for here. Uh, but here's what he had to say to Pompeo today. Play 25. I am very confident that the North Koreans understand our definition of denuclearization, a very broad one, that it goes from uh, infrastructure and nuclear warheads through chemical, biological we, weapons. We, we understand that because you laid it for the record. Did yes, they sir. Ag- have they agreed with you that that is? I the believe they thoroughly the understand that, and they, they understand and, it, but they didn't agree. Did they agree to end the production and enrichment of uranium and plutonium for military programs? Senator, I, w- I would welcome the chance to respond to your questions. If you'd let me finish, I, it would it would it's be most simple. Yes I think no. it'd be most illuminating for the it's folks. It's a simple yes or no. They've agreed to denuclearize fully. Yes, Senator. Okay. We, we, well, we don't have yes, to it agree. Yes, it, it certainly includes the well, full I would. I would love for you. Yep, just, just trying to undermine. I'm just trying to get in some partisan jabs there. Thanks, Menendez, for nothing. Being a clown and a jerk. Why don't, why don't you go take some private flights with uh, uh, Melgin after his $80 million Medicare fraud pays for all of it? Because they're just friends. It's, it's incredible what that guy got away with. It is incredible. In, in a bad way. Ah, oh, but such such is life, I suppose. Uh, team 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. We have oh so much more show to go. So uh, please stay right there. I'll be back with much more. There is so much at stake here. It has nothing to do with politics. This is to do with who we are as moral beings. And so I want to call on everybody. I'm not here to tell folk just what... They should know. I'm here to call on folk to understand that in the moral moment, there is no, there is no neutral. In, in, in a moral moment, there is no bystanders. You are either complicit in the evil, you are either contributing to the wrong, or you are fighting against it. All liberals have to do is not be crazy, but they can't do it. That was Senator Cory Booker that was talking about being complicit in the evil of... Does, that, does anyone want to guess? Anyone want to guess? Is he talking about the evil of human trafficking? Is he talking about the evil of cartels poisoning our cities and, and destroying the American people uh, from, you know, from coast to coast by killing off an entire generation with opioids? I mean, not, you know, any of that? You know, real evil. What evil do you think Cory Booker is, is giving a, a speech about and, and warning people, you know, you cannot be complicit in that evil. There's no sitting back and just being a part of it, let, letting things roll as they are. Oh, that's right. The Supreme Court nomination of Judge Kavanaugh. That's right. Brett Kavanaugh, everybody. That is the evil that Cory Booker is warning people about and saying you, you cannot just Hang out and, and let this happen. If you do, you are complicit in the evil. They are so desperate. They have nothing. They can't come up with anything on this guy. And they've already made, I mean, the, the, the libs have already made a self-mockery on this issue by trotting out their initial assaults on him. And they were so pathetic. It really encapsulated with Stephen Colbert thinking it's funny to, to make fun of the name Brett. It's like, yeah, can't vote for that Supreme Court guy. You know, his name's Bob. Who's named Bob anyway? Bob. Such a weird name. Like, I mean, are, are they, were they all high when they came up with that joke? Did they really think it was funny? You say his name is like Brett, and Brett sounds like Matt, and Matt is like baseball, and so like, why are you in Supreme? It's so idiotic. But that's all they've got. That's all they can come up with. 
uh, and, and there's also all of this hyperventilating about how, oh my gosh, you know, he's the the where he comes down on, uh, where he comes down on executive power. Oh no, uh, you know what's gonna what's gonna happen if if Trump has to pardon himself and then Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court. Oh, I mean, you know, they're they're so dumb and so pathetic on this Kavanaugh. And look, Cory Booker, what he said is just it's just crazy. It is just crazy. Um, you know, he was staff secretary in the Bush White House. And they're trying to they're, they're saying, oh, we, this is this is a piece in The Washington Post. White House counsel uh, huddles with Senate Republicans on dispute over documents from Supreme Court nominee. And, you know. Uh, okay, so what do the people think that that really means? What, what do they really think that, that that's going to that's gonna accomplish by, by having this huddle? They're trying to get access to documents. You know what the documents are? From when Kavanaugh was the staff secretary in the, in the Bush, in the George W. Bush White House. They want to they say that they're going to look at all the, all the paperwork. They don't know, and I saw that the journalists, they don't know what the staff secretary does. They don't understand what that role is in the White House. They're assuming, oh, well, he was in the White House, and this stuff passed through his hands. The staff secretary is almost like information traffic cop. It's not somebody who is weighing in on things. It's somebody saying, okay, this has to go there, this has to go there. It's really someone who is playing distributor of information. And if they're going to ask for everything that a staff secretary he had access to to try and look for something that they can create a narrative of how he's not. I mean, this, this guy couldn't be more qualified than he is. But if they're really going to do that, what they're asking for are the millions of documents that went through the Bush White House while he was staff secretary. And they're going to have to look through everything. That's how pathetic the resistance against Kavanaugh is. You got people that don't even know what they're asking for and are trying to make a case about his opinions in a role where he didn't give opinions. But I mean, like, he's so bad. I just hate him. He's so mean. It's it's going to be amazing to watch liberals realize that they can't stop this and that he's going to be on the Supreme Court and that it'll be another massive check in a box for Trump as a good a good president if you're a conservative. Say what you will about his rhetoric. Say what you will about his personal life. He is getting it done for the right. And and it's good. we're going to see it again with Kavanaugh. And we're going to see where this goes. And it's just in time for the midterms, by the way, which I, I think they should just play as much Ocasio-Cortez and Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker as possible to remind people what, what, that, that Democrats are, that the Democrat leadership is just a bunch of unserious people. The serious ones are cronyists. And just trying to enrich themselves and, and enlarge. But, but the ones who are actually ideologues on the left, they're unserious. They don't really understand what they're talking about. They don't really understand what the results would be of their own policies. They just think it sounds good. Uh, we got a big hour three coming up, team. So uh, stay right there. Welcome back, everybody. So there was this tape. And I thought it would be much more interesting than it was. It's pretty boring. Uh, there's the Trump Cohen tape. Look, everyone's been here. Let's just, the audio's short. This is what's been released so far. I'll play it for you. We'll break it down and we can move past this story. But, you know, it's, it's a thing that everyone's talking about. So I want to give you my, my take on what matters and what doesn't with regard to this story. And yet another time the media is hyperventilating over what seems like a nothing burger. Play 11. 
I need to open up a company for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David, you know, so that I'm going to do that right away. I've actually come up and I've spoken, and I've spoken to Alan Weisselberg about how to set the whole thing up uh, with so what are we funding. That, uh, yes, um, and it's all the stuff, all the stuff, because you know you never know where that company, you never know what he's going to be. Correct. So I'm I'm all over that, and I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be awesome. What financing? We'll have to pay you. So no, 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 no. I got no, no, no. I mean, I know people are taking this all these different ways. A few things here. First of all, I don't think we have the part where he goes, "Can I get a coke, please?" Where I'm just like, "There's our president. The guys drinking Coca-Cola." Loves America. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see there, I, I, or I didn't hear much in here of, of interest. And what does interest me, though, is, I mean, Cohen is a terrible lawyer. That That is for sure. Uh, a, a lawyer who is taping his clients for later usage is a really scummy lawyer. So, you know, it's a shame that Trump has realized. And this is why I think, you know, I, I understand why he wants family around so much and, I actually give him more of a pass on this than I used to because Trump knows who, who can he trust? Who can Trump actually trust? Amarosa is out there now selling a book. I uh, just saw that today. I'm sure she got a huge advance on it. Simon and Schuster's publishing. It's just a tell-all book. And the media can't get enough of this stuff, right? They'll they'll run stories that are thinly sourced or unsourced as long as it bashes Trump. And the more salacious and gossipy, the better. So who really can he trust? I, I think it's a very real problem that he faces and that's why again initially i was like come on you can't have your having your family in in these positions of authority and uh and having just close allies around you that aren't necessarily well suited for the position but i understand he he needs loyalty because otherwise he's just going to get people coming at him from every angle all the time trying to destroy him including those closest to him you know in the white house uh you got a bunch of people weighed in on this that i think Get to it. First of all, uh, Rudy Giuliani made the point about how this is highly unethical for a lawyer to do. Play 15. I question the strategy of doing this, of trying to make a tape say what it doesn't say, or of putting out a tape in which you're kind of proud of the fact that you're a lawyer taping your client, and then thinking you could cooperate with the government. You know, to cooperate with the government, you've got to have credibility. First thing that happens is this guy's going to be disbarred. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's, he's a pariah to the legal profession. I mean, if he's not a pariah, who is to the legal profession? You're going to tape your clients? you got to be ready to, yeah. I mean, if journalists will go to prison to protect their sources, and some will, to their credit. I mean, lawyers have got to be willing to go to the mat to not violate confidentiality, like attorney-client privilege. I mean, come on, right? What what if you had a what if you know Trump had ever seen a you know a marital counselor or a shrink of some kind right a psychologist psychotherapist is it okay if that person records the conversations what a betrayal I, I I gotta say to go from consigliere to rat that's what happened here with Cohen polls who's polls you know that was one of my favorite Cohen moments but turns out he actually was more suited for the Sopranos than for the White House unfortunately the Dersh. The dirt. She weighed in on this one, too. Play clip 12. The big picture is, A, there's nothing on the tape that suggests any kind of a crime. B, what is strongly suggested by the prior interview by Lanny Davis, is that 
he has, Cohn has made his decision. He's going to cooperate with the prosecutors. He's going to flip. He's going to try to get immunity, and he's going to testify against Donald Trump. Whether he has anything to say that's incriminating is a real question, and whether, even if he does, he's allowed to say it. Because remember, Giuliani didn't waive other privileges, just right. that tape. And even if he has something that might be incriminating, no evidence that he does, he can't reveal it unless it's a violation of the lawyer-client privilege or waived if it's lawyer-client privilege material. So those, I think, are the big picture items. So we don't know, is another way of saying, we don't know the full extent of where all this is going and what's going to happen next, but it clearly looks bad for for Cohen. And uh, there are some who are saying, I mean, Rudy Giuliani's out there, and look, I, I was initially skeptical of Giuliani, but Giuliani's not really so much the president's lawyer as he's the president's pit bull. He's out there fighting for Trump in the public conversation. And that's what needs to happen here, because you need people who are competent, who won't back down, who know what they're doing out there making the case for Trump. And here, here's what he said about here's what Rudy said about the whole paying with cash component of that uh, exchange with Cohen and Trump. Play 13. And the transcript makes it quite clear at the end that President Trump says, quote, don't pay with cash. Cohen then interrupts and says, no, 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 I got it. And then you hear distinctly, if you're careful and you slow it down, check. And then Cohen follows with no, 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 and then quickly cuts off the tape. There's no way the president is going to be talking about setting up a corporation and then using cash, unless no. you're a complete idiot, and, he, yes. and the president's not an idiot. So he's saying there's an exculpatory nature to that tape. I... I... You know, that's his version. Then you got Lanny Davis, who I spoke to here on uh, on Rising on Hill.TV recently. And uh, here is Lanny Davis. Now, remember, Lanny Davis is now consigliere to the consigliere, the lawyer of the lawyer. He is representing Michael Cohen in these matters. Here's what he says. 16. It's about lies and truth. Giuliani can't make up the words don't pay. I say to everybody who voted for Donald Trump, don't believe me. I'm a Democrat. Listen to the tape. The words don't pay are not heard the word cash so it's not about cash versus not cash it's about truth and the power of the truth is what michael cohn now has uh, i don't know look lanny's a good lawyer and if, if you ever were were you know in a position to, to chat with him in, in person i could tell you he's actually a very uh, very charismatic fellow you're like oh lanny i feel like you've got all these things covered i feel like you've, you you've thought of all the angles you know he's, he's good as a lawyer that way uh, but you know, I, I, we'll see. I don't think this is going anywhere, though, folks. I mean, that's why. Look, I, that's why it's, it's, we're talking about this late in the show, and I usually just t- tell you about fun stories. I, you know, the, the media is obsessed with this. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and I, I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see this turning into some Watergate-like moment. I don't see any of that. I really don't. And you know, I just think that they're obsessed with this, and they don't understand that we remember the Clinton years. They don't understand that. The same media people who were manning the barricades for Bill Clinton being a serial sex abuser while president, not 10 years before he was president. And by the way, here we're just talking about an affair, an alleged affair. We're not talking about anybody who's breaking any any laws or at least breaking any laws with regard to consent and sexual relations. Right. But the same people that were sex is private. It doesn't matter who cares. While the president of the United States, Bill Clinton, was engaged in activities I cannot talk about on radio because it's a family show in the White House. 
those same people are the ones who are now saying, oh, my gosh, you know, it's with this with this pinup girl, you know, McDougal, oh, you know, it's terrible what he's done here and paying her off for her silence and everything else. I mean, the guy's getting blackmailed, basically. You know, blackmail is illegal. I know, see, there are lawyers involved, so they're saying it's not a legal issue, but it's it's just a shade away from blackmail. And, uh, you know, well, look, I'll keep I'll keep following. By the way, the, the apparently Trump uh, Trump's lawyer, Cohen, also recorded a conversation about the Stormy Daniels payment with CNN anchor Chris Cuomo. So, and that was before, um, you know, so anyway, I, we'll, we'll look more at this. Uh, we'll look more at this one, but I don't think anything's going to come of it. All right, team, we'll be right back. Hey, look, if you have the problem of your pet digging under your fence, I can solve it for you, okay? Because if you've done what a lot of other folks do and you try different wood and you pile things up, but no, no, don't do any of that. It also doesn't look good, by the way. You work hard on your yard. You don't need to make things look messy. Don't let your pet escape either. That's also dangerous and bad. Dig defense is the only solution you need. It extends the protection of your existing fence underground. You install it at the base of any fence, and it protects your pet and your property. Also means predators can't get in, which you got to worry about too. Hammer and gloves, all you need to install this. It is not hard at all. No more chasing around after Fido once he's gotten out of your yard, okay? Check out Dig Defense. It's available online at Lowe's, Tractor Supply, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. And right now, for the month of July, visit StopTheDig.com and use promo code BUCK for 10% off. That's StopTheDig.com, promo code B-U-C-K for 10% off. You joked about it when you presented the Emmy Awards, but it wasn't a joke. It was the start of the most corrosive culture. You played with the truth. You led us down a dangerous path. You have corrupted discourse for the entire world by going along with these lies. With all due, I, I, I'm sorry, Emily, that, that you, you act as though everything began and ended with that. You're taking no accountability for the many false narratives and false stories that the media ha- uh, per- perpetrated. He shouts Look, fake I, I think news that when he doesn't here, like I wrote, something. I wrote, I, but but I wrote a book that, that I think is a fairly strong representation of what happened in the campaign, the transition, and the White House. I take responsibility where I think I've fallen short or I could have done better. But for you to lay that kind of claim and make everything sound like it started and ended with Donald Trump is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you can't even go over and talk to some Brits if you work for the Trump administration without without them trying to give you a bunch of bollocks you know it's just crazy that was this is the bbc which is about as left-wing as al Jazeera. It, it the bbc is al jazeera w- without the well al jazeera but in english <laughs> i was gonna say with al jazeera without the pro jihad sentiment but the bbc i don't know sometimes they get a little a little too pro islamism for my taste uh, but that was emily mateless of the bbc i've never seen seen her before or heard of her before and you can just see in the studio, too, they have this photo of Trump where so the, so the way they've set up the, sh- the shot, you know, the way they've set up uh, the visual you see is you've got Sean Spicer. But in the background, they have this photo of Trump where if you were to take the way they've they've sort of silk screened this photo and created the graphic. By the way, it, it looks like they've made the American flag almost look like it's a splot of blood behind him. OK, and, and then if you were to take Trump and replace him with Hitler in this photo, it would look totally, they've got this black and white photo, very ominous looking. I mean, the whole thing, it's just so classic. But there, there's always something a little a little hysterical to me about, about Brits that want to lecture Americans on American politics. It's like, you know, 
folks, I understand you've got the fancy accent. And, and yes, some of our women, unfortunately, swoon far too quickly at said fancy accent. But I, I, I just want to say, I would never presume to show up in the UK and start throwing around my knowledge of British politics. You know, I would never presume to start grilling. And it's one thing. It's one thing to say that you know, well, this is about the UK British relationship or about counterterrorism or global issues. Fine, but to say you know, why why would you vote for that member of Parliament? He's he's a, a total muppet. You know, I mean, no, I'm not going to do that. And especially if I did the fake accent too. They think they can fake our accents, and they really can't. They really can't. I'm. I always know when a British actor is pulling a a sort of coastal American accent, right? Which I guess you'd say is kind of my version of an American accent. They can pull off some of the more regional accents, which I'll discuss with you maybe another time, uh, because I think there's a bit of a... They can kind of just lean into it more, but I, I always hear them, and they, they always think that this is... Americans kind of talk like this, like they have... Uh, their, it's all in the front of their mouth. Even the guy who plays the American billionaire... Uh, Hedge fund guy in the show Billions, uh, Damian Lewis. His American accent's not that good. He doesn't. He doesn't sound like a hedge fund guy at all. Sounds like a British guy trying to sound like a hedge fund guy. Anyway, back to Sean Spicer. So, so he does this interview uh, with his book tour, and you know, Sean Spicer is is at a rough go. You know, usually you take this job. Look at how they have paved the way for people who were senior members of the Obama administration. I mean, you have. Uh, what's his name? Jay Carney is the head of all content at, I think, Amazon. That's like a dream job right now, to be the head of new content at Amazon. I mean, he's obviously making seven figures. I mean, he's making millions in salaries, getting to decide what shows get made and what shows don't. And think about the power to influence the conversation. And it's not like Jay, Jay Carney was a Time Magazine you know, journalist before, but he was in the Obama administration. They take care of their people. Look at look at the pathway for Jay Carney, a White House press secretary. We used to call him in the earlier days of the Buck Sexton show, uh, Smarmy Smurf Jay Carney. But look at what you know what his options are and what's been laid out for him versus say what what do you get? You got Sean Spicer being accused by some British lady. He's really upset. Well, I guess she doesn't have that. I have to hear her accent again to. She does not. She's not Cockney. She's like, oh, Sean Spicer. Like, why you got? No, it's not like that. It's, it's both. They've got the. Uh, you know, you gotta. I gotta have it in the ear because the worst thing is when you try to do a British accent when you don't really have it in your ear, and then you just sound like somebody who's either who's who's drunk or is having some kind of an aneurysm, uh, which which I won't do now on the air. Um, anyway, Spicer gets to get not just grilled by the American press. And has not gotten a job as a TV commentator, from what I understand yet. Uh, but then he goes over to the UK and has a woman actually tell him that he is, quote, single head or he helped single handedly ruin global political discourse. <laughs> She's basically saying that he, like, destroyed the planet. Like, lady, he's Sean Spicer. Really, he's not really he's not that big a deal. But, you know, this is this is the message is sent, folks. You know, you work for this Trump administration, and you will find yourself uh, out in out in the cold. You know, you work for the Trump administration, and you better have people that will take care of you on the uh, on the other side because you cannot put this at the top of your resume and then go, oh, "Yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to be good. We're we're all set here." Um, 
You know, we're, we're going to get a big job. I'm going to get a big job after working with the Trump administration. The left takes care of that. There are, there are two areas where I think we have a big lesson to learn. Conservatives have a lesson to learn from the left. One is on unity and pursuit of power, right? Democrats in the left will have a, a unified front on every major issue. And they don't have this, you know, breaking ranks. You'll notice there's no there's no John McCain or Jeff Flake or, uh, you know, there's no equivalent on the left I mean, when there's a Democrat president. Right. There's no one who's really trying to mess up the works for the for the White House from within their own party. So that's one. The unified front in pursuit of power. And the other is they take care of their own. They really do. No matter what. If, as long as you were down for the cause and. You know, taking your marching orders from the progressives, they will make sure that you have a career, that you have options, and that you are comfortable, uh, which really matters. I, I was speaking to some friends of mine who are uh, Capitol Hill staffers recently, and they were just saying, they were telling me the story of a conservative who lost his job at a, uh, at a publication for some transgression, and how he can't find work anywhere, anywhere, and he's a really talented guy. And a and how there are liberals that have done far worse, and they're getting offers from fantastic places. The head of politics at CNN, folks, was fired from Yahoo, and this is public because that it was a scandal, right? Everyone knew about it for saying that Mitt Romney, at that time the Republican presidential candidate, was happy to throw a party while black people drown. End quote. That was what he said. Okay, he got fired from Yahoo because they had no choice because it was during the presidential campaign, and he was covering it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Bias. Right, folks. Uh, but what happened to him? Did he have to get like a normal person job? You know, like all the rest of us? No, no. He went on to CNN where I'm sure he's making easily a million dollars a year to be a political director over there. You know, they take care of their own. It's an important lesson. And, and you see the, the opposite of that with the Sean Spicer thing in, in the UK. She's like, I'm sorry. Why did you like ruin the entire world? Why are you? Is, is it fair to say that you're actually worse than Hitler? Is that, is that excuse me, sir, we're here on the BBC. Is that, is that an appropriate question for you? Are you worse than Hitler? She would answer yes, I think, that Sean Spicer is probably worse than Hitler. Uh, 844-900-2825, 844 buck. Uh, I want to just give you a little bit of a, a roundup from last night when I got a chance to weigh in on the whole deep state situation over at Fox on Tucker's show. We had a hair battle. It was a close call. Uh, and then we will, of course, get into the roll call. So uh, stay right there, team. We have the former intel chiefs of the, the biggest agencies of the United States government, the most sophisticated intelligence apparatus on the planet, who are actively trying to undermine now the sitting president of the United States. And they weren't the intel chief 10 or 20 years ago. They were the most recent one. What that means is that every time you've got Clapper or Brennan or others who are going on air talking about, for example, the Russia collusion case, there is at least some perception. And by the way, I think some of them have tried to enhance this with what they've said. They've danced around this, that they're drawing upon their classified knowledge to make some of these assumptions. Right. They have extra gravitas. They should be paid attention to right. more because they are the most exactly. recent NSA or CIA director. That is insidious. I mean, this is deeply destructive to the faith that any future president could have in the previous administration's appointees at that level. And that's something I think does not get talked about enough at all here. Dropping buck bombs last night on Tucker's show on, on Fox News. That's what that was. Those of you who missed it. I, I put it up on Facebook, too. Had a, had a fun chat with Tucker. We had something of a hair off. I will say, Tucker's hair game last night was strong. 
I thought I came with a superior hair arsenal, but he had a decent counter ripost uh, ready with his quaff. Isn't that a counter ripost? Isn't that a thing? Uh, so that that was that was how last night went. It was a very very long day, but you know that that's a point that I have uh, been making for some time, and I'm glad I got to make it in front of whatever it was three million people last night on Fox, which is that there's a big difference between I was a CIA director ten years ago. And I was a CIA director 10 months ago, uh, especially when it comes to undermining the current administration. And, and I think that's why with all this stuff that I've been telling you about with the security clearances, it's just symptomatic. I mean, this, this is uh, we're in a different period. This is a different problem. And it's this we're in uncharted territory with this. You really are. I, the, the notion that the most recent agency heads are going out there and, and they're. They're the people that were part of the collusion investigation early on, too. So there's no there's no journalistic ethics in play here. There's it's just it's just nuts. It really is. Um, I had fun the last night I was sitting there on set and uh, was with was with Britt Hume. And that guy's that guy's a real you know, he's a character in, in the best possible way. He's a real character. man. He's like, look, you've been doing good work. I'm like, thank you, Britt. That's like a. You get a high five from Brit Hume. It's you know it makes you feel makes you feel good. Uh, I, I really enjoy getting to chat him up a little bit. And last night, I'll tell you a little, little peek in the green room. It was Buck backstage with Brit, and then before Brit Hume, and then before that, um, I was in the green room with uh, Molly Hemingway from the Federalist. You probably see on Fox all the time. And uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. I th- not. Not McMaster, Colonel. Oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's a colonel who goes on Laura Ingram's show a fair amount. Uh, Producer Mike, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I got to get the guy's name. Now he's going to, because I used to have him on uh, back in the day. And and now he's now he's on Fox all the time. But I was early. I've, I had him on and, I, and he forgot. I had this guy, McGregor, McGregor, not McMaster, McGregor. I, it was Colonel McGregor in the green room. And I said, Colonel McGregor, remember you and me talking about it? He's like, well, I don't really remember talking to you. And I was like, Colonel McGregor, come on. I, I used to fill in for Glenn Beck and Rush. And he goes, oh, yes, that, you know, I'm that buck, the one that used to fill in for the biggest radio shows when he was in his late 20s. Uh, and and we, But we talked about the Afghanistan situation. Then I said, yeah, remember we talked about that and how we weren't going to fix it and it wasn't going to get better? We were right. It's a shame for the country and for the world, but we were right. Uh, and that was, gosh, we said we had that conversation six years ago. Oh, we had so I was it was Colonel Colonel McGregor, uh, Molly Hemingway from the Federalist, me, uh, and we were all just sitting around. Oh, and and Christian Whiten, who's a former State Department guy, a really good guy. We were just talking about, you know, and it just reminds me. I wish I could do a show where the green room conversation at Fox News, because some of the funniest, most insightful stuff is what you'll hear from these people. When they're not mic'd and not on camera, I mean Molly Hemingway is brilliant and hilarious. I mean, you just—I I wish there was a way to do the green room show. But the moment you put a camera on there, it ceases to be—it ceases to be the green room show. Anyway, it was nice to Tucker to have me on last night, and I'm glad that I really got to say my piece on this whole Intel chief thing. And it was a fun way to end what had been a very, uh, a very. Long but productive day. Anyway, we got we got roll, enough about all that stuff. I just really want to play that clip for you and then talk about my hair. Uh, we got roll call coming up here in just a moment, team. So uh, you obviously want to stick around for that. 
The show ain't over yet, folks. Keeping it real. It's time for Roll Call. Yeah, the roll call. Oh, man. Late in the show, late in the evening from the swamp. Oh, so swampy down here. It is quite a thing. Over at, uh, I was over at Capitol Hill today walking around there. And you know, you know what I think about when I'm over there? It's not like good, cool places to have food or, or to eat meals or anything. I guess they have cafeterias or something, but I don't know. Capitol Hill is kind of sterile. It's not, really that, it's not really that fun. People get all excited. They come on D.C. They t- take tours. The best version of D.C. is the version you get in 48 hours, I'll tell you. You know, come down here, go to some museums, you know, look at the White House, go to Capitol Hill, walk around, and you're done. That's pretty much it. All right. Uh, and first up here in our roll call, if you want to be a part of roll call, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Oh, by the way. I am on uh, Louder with Crowder tonight. I had a really fun interview with Steven Crowder. Uh, so if you are a Crowder person, you can check that out. Um, it will be uh, on, I think, shortly. Here. I think it's on 9 Eastern. That's when it airs. Okay, Anne writes, Hey, Buck, listening to last night's show on Stitcher regarding classes that should be taught in college. To follow up on that, my husband has been telling his sons that everyone needs a lawyer, an accountant, and a mechanic. And the earlier you can get that team together, the better... They don't tell you that in college either. Um, I, you know what, Ann, I would say yes on the lawyer, yes on the accountant. Mechanic is an interesting one because technology is changing uh, and cars are now very computerized. And so if you're going to get them fixed, you tend to want to go to someone that has the high tech stuff to fix it. But, you know, mechanic is probably still someone you want in your life. The cars go longer now with less maintenance and uh, and fewer problems than they ever had before. Amazing, the average price of a car now, it's something like $35,000. It's really high. Maybe it's a little below that, but it's definitely in the 30s. And I remember earlier on in life, you know, thirty in the 30s is what you would pay to get like a brand new BMW. Now, you want a Honda, it's going to cost you in the 30s. So... That's just another thought for another time. Michael writes in, you have much more poofy hair than Tucker. He seems to put some sort of gel or cream on it to slick it down. Uh, Well, Michael, it's poofier because it is thicker and more luxurious. Why don't you back off? Why don't you check yourself before you wreck yourself, Michael? Uh, I usually do put stuff in the hair. Yesterday, I did not. But now I'm talking about too much. Too much about my hair. Uh, my man card's about to get revoked, and I'm just going to go on to the next thing on roll call. Uh, Roger writes, I'm glad you and Crowder are getting together. You are two of my favorites. Well, thank you, Roger. Yeah, no, it's going to we, we I really have a good conversations with Stephen. I, I always like doing a show and and I, I just appreciate these guys now. This this uh, new era we're seeing of young conservatives who are becoming a voice in the national conversation, but are doing it in their own way, in a way that's insightful and entertaining, uh, and and outside the traditional outlets, because that's the way it has to be. Uh, that's the way you got to do it, uh, or else, you know, you're just going to be at the mercy of these massive corporations, and, and there's only, look, there's only one, there's only one uh, conservative, there's only one cable company, or cable channel, not cable company, 
uh, that any conservative wants to work for. It's Fox News, myself included. That's it. There's no, no, no other one, really. It, it, nothing else. Nothing else is even close. It's just not fun, and it's not worth it. You feel gross. You feel bad if you go to these other places. So uh, you got to find ways to you to do Fox, of course. I mean, I was on Tucker's show last night. Those of you who saw it, appreciate that. Uh, but you got to build your own thing. And that's what I'm always doing here. I mean, I, we are building a Team Buck pirate ship. Every time you listen, every day you listen, every download, whenever you spread the word, we are building a pirate ship, and that's the way forward, I really think. Because I, I don't plan on... Being a, especially as things get bigger, folks, I'm going to draw more heat in time. I mean, I haven't been doing this that long, and I don't want to be in a place where I have to worry about getting called into the you know executive suite and be told, "Uh oh, you know, some people they're they're, they're we're, we're worried about this or that that you said." I want it to be, you know, what the audience, the, as much as possible, the audience is my boss, which is you, which means that as long as I do good content and it's worth your time, you tune in. That's that's my goal. Uh, that's really my. My career aspirations to work for all of you. Jeff, next up here. Hey, Buck, great show as always. Just wanted to pass on a slight issue I've noticed on the podcast. It seems like the intro music and sound bites you play are louder than the rest of the show. Hmm. I was listening to one of the podcasts while traveling, and the intro was painfully loud on one of them. Uh-oh. Please get your sound engineer to listen. Brandon, can you make sure that we don't, you know, like the roll call intro and stuff is not... Uh, Blowing out anyone's eardrums, I'd feel bad. I'd feel bad about that. Just trying to offer some feedback. Thanks for all your work, OSS Jeff from South Carolina. Well, Jeff, thank you. Always give me that feedback, man. <laughs> I was just saying, I work for you guys and gals, so I, I don't want to blow out your eardrums. I need those eardrums to be pristine and ready for as much Buck Sexton show as possible. Uh, Sony, what up, Sony? Haven't heard from you in a while. Buck Sexton and Tucker Carlson just made my night. And I recorded Greg Gutfeld was very amazing. Can't keep it up with all you do, but you're still my favorite. You are always the smart one. I love your opinion as always. Shields high, Sony. Well, th- and God bless. Thank you, Sony. You're so nice. Sony just Sony just made my day. You know, I'm not I'm not hard to please. Just say some nice things, and I'm like, oh shucks, thanks. It's true. It's really nice. You know. I'm not, I'm not getting, you know, there's, there's this thing about the, the old trope about the Georgetown cocktail parties with the journalists. I don't get invited to any of that stuff. I don't hang out with any of those people. I don't, that's not my thing. Uh, I got other things I got to take care of, other things going on. So there is that. Um, all right. Let's see what we have here. Uh, oh, yeah, what I was saying about the Georgetown cocktail party. One, it is a hackneyed thing that people bring up. And two, uh, I'm not a part of that scene at all. Full stop. No one, no one is interested in rubbing elbows with Buck Sexton, uh, except for cool, normal people. But the journal, the journalist fancy set is not my, it's not my cup of tea. William writes, uh, saxophone. Check out these albums. Gives me a whole bunch of albums. Kind of blew by Miles Davis. That one, William, I've been listening to since I was in college. I had many a late night with uh, kind of blew on in the background. Uh, you know. Sometimes you got to put the cat on, let the cat purr for Cat Stevens, and sometimes you got to just let Miles, let Miles take you to another place. Uh, the last one's the best. Much appreciated. Late at night with a glass of chilled G4 tequila because we're not savages, right? Shields high, you're the best. Thank you, William. Yeah, we're not savages, obviously. And uh, yeah, chilled chilled tequila is a good a good way to go. Um, Monica writes, "Hey Buck, love the shows with all the new work you're doing." 
You need to clone yourself. P.S. I bet Dan Bongino has a TS had a TS clearance. Shields high. You know what, Monica? I think you. I think you're. I think you're right. I know Dan had a clearance. I'm. It probably was a TS. Now neither of us still have a clearance because we're not former directors, right? And our clearances have both lapsed. But you're right. I think. I think Dan did have a TS clearance. Um. So you. I. I stand corrected on that. Um. And and I. I. I I'm a. I'm a Dan fan. I think Dan's great, and I've known Dan for years, uh, back to when we both would occasionally fill in for Sean Hannity, and uh, Dan is a, is, is, he's a great dude. Uh, he really is. Dave, next up here. Uh, what do we have? I'm going to flip this line. Trump has Fox News and a whole alternate information ecosystem that his diehard supporters can live in. Leftists have operatives in social media, Silicon Valley, the legal system, the education system, the legacy media, Hollywood, the Democrat Party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Indeed, Dave, that is all true. The left has a whole lot more at their disposal in terms of their uh, means of getting out their information operations than we do. Christine writes, Buck, who is paying for this bogus Russia investigation? Christine, I have a very straightforward and all-encompassing answer for you on that we are that's right you the taxpayer you are paying for this russia collusion delusion and it's a shame isn't it really shouldn't be the way it is but here's where we are kim writes hey buck trump's primary concern right now is bringing jobs back to america mainly manufacturing jobs But what about bringing back engineering and other IP jobs to America? Right now, the outsourcing of highly skilled jobs is at an all-time high. Engineers graduating from college are having a hard time finding a job due to the outsourcing of these jobs. People who have been working for years are being told they can go overseas or be laid off. Why do you think Trump isn't paying attention to this and is only concerned about the manufacturing jobs? What do you think could be done about this, Kim? You know, Kim, there's no easy answer to this. Uh, it's a very good question, and you're right. There's not nearly, um, there's not nearly enough of a, of a focus put on what we're doing about the outsourcing of, of, of what I guess you'd call highly skilled labor, not just skilled labor, uh, people that have advanced degrees in STEM fields and things like that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have a ready answer for you. Uh, the, the problem is that, you know, outsourcing benefits the people that get to make the decisions about those allocations of capital and so to try to bring people back from overseas who are doing that or rather to stop those jobs from going overseas would require really government regulation at this point um and and you know i i think you know there's also this side of it that you know we're we're in this competitive environment where you're not really competing anymore against those who are in a certain geographic region you are in a global competition especially for major corporations you're you're competing against not just engineers in your hometown or in your home country but from mumbai from tokyo from you know name a major international city uh and i don't see a way of changing that and i don't think trump has focused enough on it um and I don't have an answer for you. It's it's a very good question. I'd have to bring somebody else on who I'm not sure anyone has an answer, but maybe some people is uh, some people are, are, are in a position to speak about that with some solutions in mind. I don't have any. I don't have any. Uh, here we go. Uh, you know what? I got to close it out, team, in the hut today. 
Uh, this week we're going to have a great Freedom Hut podcast. I've got Sean Parnell and Jesse Kelly joining me. That's going to be phenomenal. If you didn't hear last week's with Jedi Abila, please download it. Tell somebody about this show. Let's build this pirate ship together. See you tomorrow, team. Shields high.